In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. As we go through the fast of the Apostles, it's great to see the example they had in the lives they lived. And it's good to see the influence they had on others. But that influence came from a much deeper place, from them, their example, and how they lived. We can always try to give others, but there's only so much we can present speaking, teaching. The greatest message we give is that by example, through action, through life. And our Lord didn't spare them anything. He actually made sure that they went through everything that we were going to go through, and even more. And that's why when he spoke to them in the Gospel of St. John chapter 16, he said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. I want you to have peace from the source of peace. Because you need that source. You need that unshakable peace. He goes on to say, In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So I want you to have peace from me, because through the course of your ministry you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome that tribulation. And that's the greatest example they could have given us. The example that says, I want you to follow in my footsteps because I have followed in those of the law of the Lord and he has reconciled me to the fact that his peace is above all things. I've shared this with you before, a passage from the book of, of the wisdom of Sirach, chapter, uh, chapter 2. My child, when you come to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for trials. It's pretty morbid, but at least it's honest. Let's face it. You're not going to get a stitch unless you're running a race. You're not going to get muscle fatigue unless you're trying to work out. You're not going to become tired unless you're working. You're not going to be fought spiritually unless you are trying to intensify that spirituality. If spiritually I'm lax, if I'm doing nothing, if I'm not really engaging, then I'm not going to be challenged. But if I am trying to make myself better spiritually, to build myself, to shape myself, then I'm going to find obstacles. In actual fact, I will find things that fight against me proactively. You know, when we speak about Satan, I don't want us to speak about this big, bad, evil character, but he's a, reality. he's a reality. Satan is a reality. And he fights against us because he wants us to fail. He wants us to fall. He doesn't want us to do the right thing doesn't want us to rejoice. He wants to damage, to control, even to take away our joy. And he wants us to fail spiritually. 
So he will proactively fight against us. And again, our Lord was very clear. Gospel of St. John, chapter 15, verse 20. Remember the word that I have said to you, a servant is no greater than his master. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And that happened to the disciples. They were persecuted, but they were ready for it. You see, if you look earlier in their lives, in their journey, when they were with our Lord, at times they were challenged and they would say, do you want us to bring fire down and burn these people? At others, they were challenged and they said, do you really want to die? At others, they were challenged and they said, let us go that we may die with him. But when the right time came, when the time came for them to serve, to go out, to make a difference, to give a message that still lives with us today, when that time came, they went out valiantly, courageously, powerfully, and they did what they needed to do. That's the difference. They were ready. We sometimes find our spiritual journey very, very troublesome. Um, we're unnerved by it. We're not ready for it. But that's because we haven't been prepared. Now, our Lord wants to prepare us. Our Lord wants to give us everything we need. But unless we take him up on that offer, unless we are able to <clears throat> be with him, along the journey and be strengthened by him, then the time will not come where we are ready. We're always going to be afraid. We're always going to be in the upper room hiding away. Not really being able to step out of that. Not really being able to stand against all we're going to face. Because we're not ready for it yet. You see, our God wants us to win. But we can't win without a struggle. And that struggle will come. He also, by no means, wants us to be crushed by that struggle. He doesn't want us to feel like he has forsaken us. His message on the cross to us, while he was there hanging, in, in those final moments, was a reminder to us of Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And that's how we feel sometimes. Lord, why have you forsaken me? Why do you forget me? Why do you leave me alone? And the answer is, you're not alone. I am with you till the end of time. You're not alone, but you sometimes embark on your struggles alone. So on a day-to-day -day basis, Christ 
is with me. The Holy Spirit is within me. My God is part of my life daily. But when I go to a struggle, when I'm going into a situation at work, at university, at home, socially, when I feel like I'm weak, what happens then? Am I ready for it? Am I strengthened by him? Of course not, because I go in unprepared. But if I take him with me, and that's what the disciples did, they learned so much that they took everything they learned from him into the struggle. That was the difference between them before Pentecost and after Pentecost. Before Pentecost, they wanted to go alone. They wanted to struggle alone. They wanted to fight alone. After Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descended upon them and he gave them power and he changed them. He transformed them. He actually descended on them personally. It wasn't a, hey, this is power for all of you. Go out there and be effective. It was like here, him descending on each and every one of you personally. And in descending personally, he did two things. The strengths he made stronger. The weaknesses he took away. So it was a twofold growth. The, the weaknesses, the inadequacies, the fears were suddenly taken away. What am I going to fear when I have been descended upon, when I have received the Holy Spirit, when there was this sound as of a mighty rushing wind, when I saw tongues of fire on the heads of the others, and I realized this was happening to me as well. When the doors were flung open and I suddenly found myself outside, what am I going to fear? And then all they had received became intensified. The words they had received, the teaching they had received, the example they had received, Everything they did, everything they saw, everything they lived for those three years suddenly became part of what they did. It was no longer just about them following. They were no longer just following their master because their master had now left them. Our Lord has ascended. But it was about them starting to walk in his footsteps and take all they had learned with them. They suddenly learned that they needed to cast any weaknesses, any fears, any doubts on the Lord. Following in the words of Psalm 55, 22, cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. They cast their burdens on the Lord and he more than sustained them. He empowered them. He strengthened them. They spent three years with our Lord. So they lived with him and they saw him. 
And that's why they were able to do what they did. How much time do we spend with him? We often complain about, or at least regret, the fact that we can't be like them. We can't do what they have done. We can't live as they have lived, witness they have witnessed. Of course, we can't be walking behind him through Judea and Samaria, through those lands where they were for three years. We can't do that now. What we can do, however, is spend time with him in prayer. Personally, directly. How much time do we spend in prayer? And what is prayer? You see, the problem for many of us is prayer is a religious duty. It's something I have to do. It's something I need to tick off my list if I don't want to feel guilty. But that's very much like me giving you a call because it's my pastoral duty. I just, I have to call you once a month, so I do. I, I have to interact with you in a certain way, so I do. That's not how our Lord wants us to work with him, to deal with him. That's not how he wants us to interact with him. If I am going to invest in my relationship with you, then I need to want to spend time with you. Not just because it's a duty, but because my love for you, my care for you, my interest in you, my investment in this relationship means that I realize I have a responsibility. And it's not just functional, it's not just so that I can say, I have power, but it's so I can be closer to my Lord as well. To be stronger in Him, to have a relationship with Him. The beauty of Christianity is that it relies on a personal relationship with Christ. It's a real relationship. I know some people who you would think are very strange. But then again, other people I know would probably think you were very strange, but so it all balances out. They have their own way of interacting. One girl calls God dad. And that's how she speaks to him. That's how she interacts with him. Another will actually sit and have an audible argument with God if something goes wrong. Another must go into his room and lock down completely to be able to interact with our Lord and give him time. There are so many different manifestations of that relationship. There is no one way to do it. It needs to be personal. And if you look at the apostles, the disciples, they were all very different. They all brought different things. They all had different characters. They all interacted in different ways. Our Lord didn't want them to be anything other than who they were. He took Simon as Peter and he refined him. 
keeping his character, but showing him how to use that energy and that power better for himself and for others. And likewise, James and John and, and Philip and all the disciples. He appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus and wanted to change him, to transform him fundamentally. And he did, because he wanted his relationship with him to be different. And this is what we must do. Realize that God wants us as we are. But he wants us to be the best we are. Now you might think, is that a contradiction? No, it's not a contradiction. He doesn't want me to be a different person. He just wants me to be the best person I can be. He doesn't want you to be a different person, but he wants you to be the person who interacts with him and has a real relationship with him on a daily basis because you want to. And it's because he wants to. He wants us. He, he seeks us but he will not force us into a relationship. He actually went and he chose the disciples, but he did not let them stay with him against their will. We're told in the scriptures that many left him along the journey. Judas himself left him. On the night of the Last Supper, they all fled. He didn't keep them against their will, but he allowed them to be who they were. If we go back to Psalm 55, verse 18, we read, He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many against me. He has redeemed my soul in peace. Sometimes we go into battles and think, Lord, why have you forsaken me? So I haven't forsaken you. I'm here for you. I'm going to redeem you. I love you. I'm not going to abandon you. But I also know, because of who I am, the best time to do that for you. Just be patient. Bear with me. Have faith that I know what I'm doing. Understand that I understand you. And he does. That's why when we leave things to happen in our relationship with God organically, it's so much more beautiful. The things we don't expect are the things that become so much more satisfying. But the things we, we yearn for, we crave for, we fight for, we forcibly pray for, Sometimes we get them, sometimes we don't. But they're not the things that come so naturally from a father who knows me. Of course, I need to let him know what I want. He says to us to unconditionally ask. But maybe we shouldn't only ask or ask all the time. Maybe you should be like the disciples, who when they, he said to them, 
follow me. They went and followed him, and they were shaped by him over those three years, individually, naturally. Why is it that I can't say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. I'm in your hands. I want you to shape me. I want you to make of me the most beautiful thing you know how to make. Because surely that's your plan for me anyway. I don't want to force my opinion. I don't want to ask for something in particular. What I want is I want you to do the best thing for me. You know, it's a negotiating skill. Um, if you go to buy a house or buy a car or if you want to sell something, the first, person, the first thing the person asks you is, so what do you want? What's your re response? What do you want to do for me? Right, we think that's shrewd, that, that that's, that's sensible, that's smart. Because maybe what that person wants to give me is more than I'm going to ask for. Now, there's going to be an element of trust there to be able to do that. But we don't do that with God. With God, we tend to have a wish list. Lord, I actually want this, and I need this, and I want that. And not only do I want it, I want it at a certain time, in a certain way, under certain conditions, for a certain reason. Anyone who knows me knows I am an absolute nightmare to buy a present for. And that's why anyone says, do you want a present? I say, please just don't. Really don't. I don't need anything. I, I have everything I need. I don't need anything because I become so particular sometimes. I know what I want. And I, I want it to fulfill a particular purpose for a particular time in a particular way within a particular setting. And that means that I, I'm not open to receiving things I don't know. Maybe if I wasn't so pedantic, I'd get something and think, wow, that was really good. Didn't even think of that. Or, that's really good. I didn't consider that. Well, this is really helpful. But because I put the conditions, then I don't leave myself any openings to receive what I don't expect. Now, if we look at the disciples, they became what they did not expect. Simon the fisherman never, ever thought he was going to become Peter the disciple. Saul never, ever thought he would become Paul. And so on and so forth. They were left. They were left in the hands of a God who loved them and made them absolutely powerful. The disciples, when they were hiding, didn't think that they would go out and preach and spread the good news and give people hope and transform 3,000 people on that first day. It didn't even occur to them. 
That couldn't have been in their plan. They weren't sitting there thinking, Lord, here I am praying, and what I want you to do is I want you to help me to go out there and baptize 3,000 people. That wasn't their prayer at all. This is what God did for them and through them. They were just there praying. So, of course, ask. Absolutely. Because that's God's commandment to me. Ask. But when I ask, I really should give myself the possibility of saying, you know what, Lord, maybe I won't ask today. Maybe I want you to look at me like you did at Simon or John or James. Maybe I want you to look at me as you did at Saul or at Mary Magdalene or at the woman at the well. And I want you to do something through me that is remarkable. I'm leaving myself open. I'm leaving myself in your hands. I'm giving myself over to you. I want you to shape me and to mold me. But you know what? That takes a lot of trust. And it takes a lot of patience. We, we sometimes don't have the stamina spiritually. Because today, I'll be on a high and I'll think, Okay, I actually want to be a better person. I want to be spiritually strong, I want to be able to forgive, I want to be able to love, I want to be able to serve, I want to be able to be selfless. But then tomorrow something else happens and, well, okay, that was yesterday. Today is a different story. Maybe I just need to be the corporate guy who looks after myself and doesn't do anything and I'll just maybe become the spiritual guy next week. It's almost like thinking of that analogy of the clay in the potter's hand and being in the potter's hand and thinking, okay, Lord, I'm in your hand today. Please shape me. You are the master craftsman. Shape me and make me. And then as the potter is about to put me on the wheel, I say, oh, wait, wait, sorry. I just, I have something to do today. So just let me hop off. I'm going to go do this thing, and I'll come back to you. But, you know, just hold that thought. You know that creative thing in your head? Hold on to it. Because I want you to do that for me. Just maybe not right now. I need to have patience and to leave myself. To leave myself in His hands. We're told in the Gospel of St. Luke 21 that in our patience we possess our souls. But in that patience we also allow God time to work. You know, I, you, all of us are going to be a work in progress until we die. Constantly shaped and reshaped, modeled and remodeled, because our lives change. We go through stages of life. Our childhood is different to our adolescence, or different to our teenage years, different to our adulthood, different to our senior years. And our callings, our aspirations, 
our weaknesses, our strengths, are all going to vary during those times. So I need to be able to leave myself in God's hands and say, Lord, you know that those the disciples, we've been celebrating, the apostles we've been so inspired by, they left themselves in your hands and you made them who they were. So I really want to leave myself in your hands as well. I want you to shape me and model me. I know it's going to hurt sometimes. I know it's going to be really scary sometimes. I know it's going to mean that I can't control everything sometimes. But what I do want is I want you to just work with me, work through me. I've seen the transformation in Saul and I would love to be that person. To have the scales removed from my eyes. But I know that that can only come through you. So today, we stand here. And we say, Lord, we're yours. You made us. You fashioned us. You know what you want to do through us. So work in us. Transform us. Let us be like the disciples and the apostles whose lives were changed radically, whose witness lasts until today, and whose example we are inspired by and moved by, an example that we hope to achieve ourselves and to reach by leaving ourselves in your hands and in your hands alone. And glory be to God forever.